Welcome to another edition of No Need to Ask Podcast. My name is Amani Duncan, and I will be your host on this journey. So today is part two of a conversation with music industry veteran Tina Davis. So join me in welcoming Tina back to No Need to Ask Podcast. Hey, Tina. Hey. Hi. So we left everyone with a bit of a cliffhanger. It was it was a good one too. It was you were talking a bit about the beginning of managing Chris Brown. Yes. So let's pick right back up there. Okay. Well, I mean Barry Weiss. Um, it's so funny because I went in to see Barry Weiss with Chris, um, with his music, and I told him I really want you know you to check out this kid. And um, after we did the showcase, obviously, I think I mentioned that Chris really didn't want to do it. He went in there and knocked it out. And um, after, you know, before we got out of there, we were trying to get, you know, stop us from leaving. But Barry was the person who signed him. In that time, uh, Chris Lighty was working there, our Chris Lighty. Right. And Mark Pitts was working there. And because I had worked with Chris for so many years and Mark and I kept saying, we got to do something together. We've got to do something together. I asked him to put Mark Pitts on the project. Um, Mark, Good call. Yeah. You know, and Mark, of course, he was there to support all the way through. And he and Tisa, Tisa, I love her to death. She's like a sister to me. Um, but for the most part, you know, I was doing the grind all by myself and I would go to people. I mean, several people that have come back to me that have come back to me afterwards, but begging them to please work on this kid. I know we don't have a lot of money. I were just starting blah, blah, blah. And it was before he signed a job, of course. But I was like, yo, listen, Swiss, everybody check this kid out. And I kept saying, he's the next Michael Jackson. And you know, you got Usher, you got Amarion, you got all these people. And they're like, (laughs) yeah, okay. So when we finally did our video, run it, the run it video, um, mm. everybody was like, oh, and, and to just a quick story, uh, before we, you know, went forward, I said, listen, so Chris, at this point, he's 15, Chris wrote his treatment. So we'd like to use his treatment for his video. And the video back then, video was like two hundred something thousand dollars Exactly. And Harry Weiss was like, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> And I was like, oh, yes, we are. You know, I'm like, listen, we're all too old to even say what these kids really love. Right. He knows who he's talking to. He knows what his friends would love. So let's let this kid control his destiny. So I talked Barry into it. Barry allowed it to happen. But the thing, the crazy thing is, is I kept saying, run it as the single, run it as a single. Right. And he was like, no, we did research. We did paid all this money for all this research. And the reason oh, said gosh. that Yo was the single. That's the wow. Go with, and I said no. We should go with Run It. And he said no, and I said okay. So I took it and I gave it to Ebro, <laughs> and Ebro started playing it with at enough. Hot ninety seven. Everyone, yes. Ebro at Hot ninety seven, New York. Yes, and enough. He, they both supported me, and they started playing it like early, early, early on. And then Big Vine started playing it in in the Bay Area. And uh, so obviously the rest is history. Um, it massive, massive song. And Barry also told me, hey, you know, it wasn't just Barry. It was everybody really nervous because they had never seen Chris dance. Right. They were like, you know, Usher holds that that crown. I wouldn't, you know, it might hurt him 
to dance in this video if he's not better than Usher. I said, believe me, he needs to dance in this video. They're like, Tina, you're, you're going to ruin this kid's life. I was like, no, I'm trying to tell you. He would come back. They see the video. It's like, what the hell are we talking about? We exactly. So, you know, they, not to say that he was better than Usher or, or what have you, or Usher was better than him. It's just, they hadn't seen him in that. Way. Right. So they and he cool. held his own. He yeah. held his own. He held his own. So, you know, I, I managed him for a while. I did a lot of it by myself, me and another assistant. Um, her name is Nicole Dupuis. She works with me now, actually. Nicole, we worked together on it. Um, had a couple other assistants, and um, but they kind of were like really kind of helping both of us to kind of get it moving forward. And the rest is history. Like it's incredible. It's and I don't think Tina people understand. Like I'm as you're telling me and all of the listeners that you basically did it yourself. I, I don't think people really understand what that means. You know, management, I, you know what? I'm not going to, I want you to tell people really, what is the day to day job? Like what is a day in the life of Tina Davis? What would that look like? Well, because it's 24 seven. No. And that's the thing about management is that, um, and especially Chris, Chris is a creative genius. Yes. Literally a creative genius. So his mind is constantly working. He doesn't stay still because he's constantly trying to do dance. He's trying to play basketball. He's trying to act. He's trying to do everything. So I had to occupy his time 24 hours a day. So sometimes I would take him and his friends and send, take them to a basketball court and let them run for a good four hours. Right. And I could get in there and knock out some emails, reach out, send tapes, send music, send links, send videos, trying to get people to believe in him and believe that he's the next guy. Um, but for, for the most part, it was really just trying to hone in and fine tune the things that he had learned already and that he was great at. He was mm -hmm. great at drawing when I met him. He was great at basketball when I met him. He was great at singing when I met him. Um, he just needed to, I just needed to kind of, um, you know, shine up the rough edges, right? You know, make sure that he knew how to deal with different people and make sure he had vocal training, um, make sure he had media training, make sure that all the things that he needed in the artist development department was taken care of. So when it hit, he was ready. So every time Chris would do an interview, people would be surprised at how aware and how smart and how articulate he was. But for months we studied. He studied Sam Cooke. He studied Marvin Gaye. He studied Otis Redding. He studied, studied everything under the sun. He studied Usher. Wow. Studied, studied Omarion. He, he would go to the crumping like sessions. And back then, World of Dance was an actual um, event that happened. Um, okay. In an um, a auditorium or at a different place. I think it was like um, Inland Empire. Mm, mm -hmm. But Chris... We would take Chris out there and it'd be hundreds of kids out there just crumping, dancing. Yeah. And he was out there learning it, learning it. And so I was always occupying his time and trying to get him to just suck up as much information. My biggest thing with Chris was he was so smart that I wanted him to control his destiny, but I wanted him to make a decision on what he wanted to do, you know, whether it was this is the photo or this photo, or should you make this comment or this comment? Um, so I wanted him to be aware of the music industry as well. So if I wasn't managing him or if I wasn't working with him, no one could get over on him. Right. So, you know, we, 
that was, man, I don't know if that was my whole day. That was just the period, just constantly trying to get him to try and be the best, you know? Right, right. Jackson, like, left and right, like, every time he had a second until he finally got a chance to meet him. Mm. Oh, wait, how was that meeting? That must have been, hands down, the highlight of his life. It really it would have been mine, but it was the highlight of all of our lives. That's exactly. I mean, honestly, it really was. He um he had this tribute because you know Mike was gone for a while and he wasn't uh, recording and he wasn't uh, doing shows. So I forgot what award show it was. I think it was the World Award Award. Mm, okay. In um in the UK, but they were okay. doing a tribute to Michael and they wanted someone to do tr- to do Thriller. So they called Chris three days before the award show. Oh my gosh. And asked Chris to do Thriller. And he had to learn the choreography with the man who originally did the choreography or, or worked with the choreography. So wow. the thing is, is, which we didn't realize until he did it, is that you know when people watch it on TV, they do the moves, but they're doing it the opposite direction. They're not doing it in the same direction that Michael was doing it because they're watching it from TV. So oh my he, had gosh. To, he learned it, but he learned it the wrong way. So he had to relearn that dance move because you know all kids knew the, the thriller everybody knew right you know, right knew right right so he had to learn it all himself so then we get out there and there's like 30 dancers that he had never danced with never performed with and they were to come on the stage and just do it and he would he would sing and do what he's supposed to do and join in well he was so nervous to meet michael that he started singing and he sounded great. He sang the verse twice, the same verse. He just was so excited about seeing Michael. So he sang the verse twice. No one noticed because he was just killing it. He was just, of course. Him. So then we waited for like 45 minutes for Mike to come out to be with the kids. And finally, when he came, the um, there was a noise ordinance. So at 11 o'clock or something like that, lights have to be out in that venue. No noise. So Mike took a little while to come down the stairs. So when he finally came out, he didn't have a lot of time to perform. So he started performing with a whole bunch of kids and Chris on the stage. Right. And Chris, everybody was excited about Michael. But Chris, instead of singing with Michael, which he was supposed to do. Right. He ran over to him and grabbed him and held him at his waist and just held him for a second and then realized, I think he, in his head, he was like, oh, 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 I'm supposed to be performing. Oh, 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 my mama is gonna kill me. So he stopped and started performing and then they shut the music down in the middle of Michael performing. Mike would eat it. Oh, wow. Disrespectful, we were mad. Cause we are like, yeah. don't do that to Mike. That's disrespectful. Right. Well, right. Mike was supposed to meet Chris afterwards. Like that was our understanding. His manager, she was a sweetheart, but she was saying, yes, we will make sure that they get a chance to talk. Well, so we get to the back. Mike jumps straight, straight in his car with his manager and his team. And they're starting to head out the door. Now, mind you, we're sitting there watching this go down, but Chris had left. He was hurt, so he left his room to change his clothes and go get in the car. He was all the way in his car waiting for us, upset. Wow. Right? Because, you know, that's his idol, you know? Yeah, exactly. They're going out of the garage, out of the backstage. Before they go out, they stop. 
and then back out, back, back in. And we're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> and all of a sudden you hear, where's Chris Brown? Where's Chris Brown? Where's Chris Brown? We're like, oh my God, oh my God. Oh my Chris, God. Chris, 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 come. So Chris ends up running outside of the venue with all the fans out there chasing him all the way up to the loading dock. So we're like, I said, okay, he's coming up the loading dock. He got the fans behind him. Now, Chris is fast as hell. Wow. He's fast. He's strong. And wow. he, so he was rolling, right? His security was nowhere near him. Nowhere near him. So he's running and he comes up the, the loading dock and gets in the car with Michael. Like, wow. barely makes it. So he gets in the car with Michael. His mom is standing there. I'll tell his mom, get in the car with Michael, too. You know what I mean? Right, Michael of course. Too. So I'm standing outside the car. But the pandemonium of even Sony executives with plaques hand them to me. Can you just give him this? And I'm like, I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, no. I don't want to a plaque. I don't, you know? So he's in there. They're singing. Um, he's singing Chris's records. Chris's mom is in tears. I shake his hand. I'm like, oh my God. But real talk, I felt like there was an aura around us. Like there was oh, just wow. this bubble we were in. You know what I mean? It was like, oh yes. my God, you know? Oh, so man. That will go down in history. Now, just another little add on to that with the day that Mike was passing, uh, Chris and I believe Jamie Foxx were on their way up to meet Mike because Mike had asked for Chris to come up to see his show. Mm-hmm. And we talked a little bit and we were talking about and hearing rumbles of him wanting to offer Chris, pass the torch to Chris and ask Chris to open up for him. And we were praying. We we're like, oh my God, Chris circling the place. And they say, I'm sorry, but Michael Jackson has passed. Now I see it on the news. So I have to tell Chris, oh my gosh. he had to stop driving. Like it was hard for him to even handle. Cause it was, he was literally at the arena going to see Michael. Wow. So and oh. so it was pretty hard, mm. but that was an experience and a half. I, I don't even have the words. <laughs> I don't even have the words. It was amazing. And I love how he did not leave the venue until he met with him. Nope. I mean, that speaks volumes. It really does. I mean, this is Michael Jackson. He don't he doesn't have to do anything. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's, wow, what a and moment. Mike had met with a lot of, or, or spoken with a lot of people. He spoke with Rihanna. He spoke to Neo. And Chris was like, why won't he talk to me? Well, you know, he's young. He's like, why? I, I saw that he talked to all these other artists. Why won't he even talk to me? I said, it's coming. Just wait. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. And what a moment. And what a moment. No one else had that moment. You know, Tina, you, I know because I watch managers and especially when you're dealing with a young artist that is skyrocketing, you know, what do you do to kind of just disconnect? In that time, I didn't, honestly, my life pretty much was centered around trying to break Chris because I had no other option. I didn't take another job. I had that money that I was spending on trying to break Chris. I was spending all the money that L.A. Reid gave me in that deal on breaking Chris. Mm. Now, mind you, I didn't have a production situation with him. I was just a manager trying to prove to everyone that I could do it. Right. You know? um, and so as we continue, you know, all the way even up to the point to where it was the Drake and Chris issue in that club. 
Right. I was just taking it in and not dealing with what was going on, not dealing with the stress, not dealing with the just all the emotional things that were happening at that time. Yes. Because every other day there was something different. You know, right. it was, oh, Chris is in a club and he threw a girl's phone. Oh, Chris, and they're suing him. Then Chris is in a club and he's breathing on somebody. They're suing him. <laughs> Chris is on the club and he just walked by and gave him a bad look. They're suing him. I mean, it was ridiculous. At a, I mean, I was like, come on, people. Like, every day. Is this real life? Sometimes it was just them making it up. Sometimes Tim mm-hmm. was making it up. Sometimes mm-hmm. they did it. You know what I mean? So right. it was right. like, and it was at a time where, believe it or not, it sounds crazy to say this, but there was no Instagram. There was only Twitter. And Ooh. way yeah. back then, I mean, not not of course after as that started going, but when he first when it first happened, the right scenario, you know, it was he was it was in the beginning of Instagram and and Twitter and all these things. So before when Chris had something to say, he, he could, nobody could ever hear it because he'd say right. to me and then not filter it to be what it's supposed to be. Right. So when Twitter happened, he would just say what he felt. So, and rightfully so he mm-hmm. had emotions that he wasn't able to actually put into words. So he would use foul language sure. or whatever he, you know, sure. And, and he's still young. He's I think young. people, don't like it frustrates me when people talk about celebrities or musicians or whatever and they don't even take into consideration you know what age was this person at when this happened like chris started so so young, young. yes yes he was at, he was 18 when the situation happened with the horrible thing happened with he and rihanna um and so as time progressed, you know, and you got to think about this also, this is a kid who had fame at 16, 15, 16. So at yes. 15, 16, he didn't have to do anything. Everybody mm. doing his hair, doing his this, doing that, doing this. So there's our arrested development there. You know what I mean? It's like anybody, every artist has a situation where they don't have to try to learn anymore. They don't have to try to do anything else because right. all they're focused on is their career and what being great at what they do. So right. Be, knowing the right words to say when somebody attacks you and they don't even know you and they're calling you, it's telling you to die on your Twitter and you're only seven, 15 years old or you're 17 years old or you're 18 years old and they're saying you should die in hell and all of that. Every oh other t- tweet, you don't, how do you even respond to that? Right. You know what I mean? As an 18, 17 year old kid. So it was very hard to do that. Wow. So the stress level was at a thousand and one day after the Drake and Chris craziness, um, Russell Simmons called me mm-hmm. and he was like, Tina, listen, I, we need to resolve this. We need to get Drake and Chris on the same page. This doesn't need to happen. This is bad. I was like, 100%. But Chris didn't do it. And then, you know, supporting my client. Right. And Russell stopped. He said, wait, you sound like you're about to have a nervous breakdown. And I said, Russell. And, and I was literally my voice was like at the top, I, and I can't, ah, and he was like, stop, stop, stop. You're having a nerve. You're getting ready to have a nervous breakdown. You need to, hold on. I'm going to call you right back with, um, he said, you need to get into meditation. You need to start doing such and such. He said, forget about Chris right now. We need to talk about you. I've never heard you like this before in my life, Tina. Oh my God. I was like, okay, okay. And I could feel it. I could feel me having a nervous breakdown. And I said, okay. All right, just tell me, tell me what what I need to do. And he was like, I'm going to have the monk call you and I'll pay for it. Just go to Tim, 
go to uh, transcendental meditation, yes. take the classes, and then let's readdress. Man, that wow. was probably the best thing that ever oh. happened to me. Because no matter how much you work out, no matter how much, when you have that, I was in crisis management mode from 18 years old for the rest of his managing career, my managing career of him. And it was, it was hard because yes. like I said, every other day it was something I had to fight. Get up at four o'clock in the morning to a phone call saying, hey, you know, Chris just punched this guy, da, 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 da. And I'm like, what? You know, whether it was a lie or not, they're still, the calls are still coming to me. Right. And I'm waking up Garagos. I'm waking up his mother. I'm waking up, you know, I'm getting in the car, driving to DC, getting in the car, getting on a plane, trying to get to wherever Chris is at, you know, just trying to make sure that this kid has a support, make sure this kid isn't, um, you know, at this time he was a kid. So it's like, just make sure he had what he needed and that thing was functioning properly. And me knowing how he was and me knowing how creative it was, he was, and how he would hold things in and not not necessarily deal with them. He just holds them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like dealing with that. You know what I mean? Dealing with him being upset and not wanting to do the things I need him to do. Dealing mm-hmm. with, you know, all mm-hmm. that, that go along with social media at the time mm-hmm. starting and people were just learning about it and people were starting to have opinions. Um, bullies behind keyboards. That's bullies, what I say. Bullies behind keyboard. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get him on good morning America and all these different things. And all they want to talk about is Rihanna and him. And, you know, so it, it was a lot. Um, so like I said, Russell gave me that transcendental meditation, um, offer. I took it and it literally changed my life. It just centered me. It calmed me immediately and it allowed me to have the skin, the thick skin, because I always had a thick skin. You can't work without having a thick skin. Right. But I had the thick skin to be able to take all those emotions that I had from Def Jam that was cooped up to the emotions I had in dealing with Chris that were cooped up to the emotions of me being a woman trying to prove to all these men that I could do this on my own and give him. That's right. Because the things that I have done in my career Men have gotten labels from men have gotten huge checks from men have. I mean, and I didn't get anything. Exactly. Well, you need to do something. Maybe you need to break an artist on your own. Even when I broke an artist on my own, nobody ever gave me credit for it. You know what I'm saying? So yes, I I do. Chasing a PR person. I wasn't like, oh, I have a publicist and this is what I did. I've never done that. So in me not doing that, though, men took credit for the things that I did. Yes. So it was a lot going on for me, you know? So at that time, Russell through that lifeline, yeah. you know, you're giving me literally chills because when you, when you stop and really think about it, like, it's not like you called Russell for something. Russell just felt the need mm-hmm. to pick up the phone and call you mm-hmm. and thank God he did mm-hmm. because you were at your breaking point. I was at it. I was there. I was there. Mm-hmm. And thank God that he did not ignore the signs. Thank God he knew me. Because exactly. there are people who, there are people I talk to all the time. There are people who I don't talk to that think they know me. Mm-hmm. But I'm a very private person. I'm mm-hmm. extremely private. But part of it also is I was in A&R. We don't go out to clubs like that. We are in a studio. We're studio. Right. Our conversations are about music. It's not about. So even for that matter, even to this day, I'm socially awkward. 
Like going out to a party, I'm like, <laughs> I, and I walk up to somebody, I'm like, and you're like, Tina, I'm like, oh, okay, she knows who I am. <laughs> what do you mean? She knows who I am? I'm like, what? Right. I don't know. I don't. I'm. Everyone knows you, Tina. I remember the Grammy party. Hello, Empire's Grammy party that was off the chain. <laughs> so yes, people know Tina Davis. But I love how humble you are and how you stick to your core values. Honestly, that same as you're talking to me, he checked in on his strong friend. Mm-hmm. He checked, man, Amani. He checked right? in on his strong friend because. No one else checked in. Because people don't check in on strong no people. They think, oh, Tina has this. Yep. You know, this is why I asked about the self-care. Because we as women traditionally, just by default, we don't, you know, give back to ourselves normally. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I, and that's why I constantly talk about it. I check up with people like, okay, what are you doing for self-care this week? You know, and they're like, oh, right. You know, we have to retrain ourselves because it's just not a natural thing that most of us do. And I saw, you know, one good thing of social media, I saw someone post just the words, check in on your strong friend. Mm-hmm. And it hit me hard. Mm-hmm. It really did. Because we're, you know, we're strong women, Black women. We have so many things working against us that we, try to not show weakness. We try to take on way too much to prove something to somebody that probably doesn't even matter. Right. Right. You know, and all the time, all the time. And a lot of us are, I mean, we're suffering. We are dog tired, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and most of the time people don't check on us. Not at all. So not at all. And you know, it's crazy before Russell, there was one other person that said something to me and it came full circle because I ended up doing TM uh, transcendental meditation and I was walking in and that person was walking out. But this person, I'm dropping Chris, like I told you, I'm dropping Chris and his friends off at the at the basketball court. Because I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, go play basketball. Get all that energy out. Right. So I'm dropping them out at the court. Now at this point, you know, when I we worked at Def Jam, we'd be fly, have on, you know, designer boots and all this. By this time I'm have I got on sweats. I'm right. not to do nothing extra because I gotta go. I got the things to do. Exactly. So I drop him off and this guy stops me. He's like, hey, 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 what's going on? And I'm like, hey, and it's David Banner. Oh. <gasps> and I'm like, hey, he said, let me talk oh, to you a minute. Wow. I said, okay. So he gets in the car and he said, you know, let me tell you the story about, and I'm looking at him like, what is he, what? He's like, let me tell you the story about this woman. I went in the studio years ago, this woman, as soon as I walked in, it was clouds of smoke, all kind of guys all up in there, niggas all up in there is what he said. Niggas all up in there and cloud of smoke. And the smoke clears a little bit and they do something, um, they record something. And then all of a sudden I hear this one woman. And as soon as I realized it was a woman, I found out where the woman was. And I looked and it was like sunshine. She just brightened the room. Everybody paid attention when she talked, when she had something to say. She was focused. She knew what she was talking about and everybody respected her. But she brought so much sunshine in the room and that was you. And I said, oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Sunshine's not here. And whatever is causing you to look this depressed or sad or whatever is going on, get rid of it. Because you sh- you don't deserve to be in this space. I can see it. It's weighing heavy on you. At this point, tears are coming down my face. Because I, oh, I hold all my stuff in. I don't tell anybody anything. So for somebody 
to see me. It broke me down. So mm. I left there and I was like, oh my God, oh my God. You know, and went back to work. It was like, oh my God, I can't right. believe you did that. You saw me, oh my God. Went back to work. Right. Because I'm- Go to what we know. Hear me. Who, who am I going to tell? Who's going to hear me? You know, so going back to Russell, when he had me go to TM and I walked in, I saw him and I just hugged him. I was like, David Banner, David Banner, wow. a beautiful guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Never would have thought of all the people who would see all the stress and hurt and emotions tied into what I was doing, just trying to do it by myself. You know what I mean? Right. Trying to be a right. woman, trying to prove to everybody I'm a woman and I can do what these men are doing. Right. Give me my chance. I never got that chance. They never mm. gave me. At one point, Chris was number one, top five on all radio platforms with three different records. All in wow. my marketing strategy of trying to get things done. And not to say, you know, Jive wasn't there because they were there to support me. Lisa Cambridge, Sam, baby Sam, like everybody, Larry Kahn. No, everybody was there with me to support me. Um, but there was no anybody else behind me pulling strings for me. Right. You know what I mean? Right. There was no mm-hmm. people there that's like, hey, let me give this a call and help hook you up with this. I didn't get those. So the only one I did have was Jimmy Iveen after a while. That's a good one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a good one. So yeah. Wow. Wow. You know, I I believe people come into your life at the right time, not a minute before and not a minute later. And David coming in randomly, last person you would expect to see and delivering that message. Right. And then Russell just picking up the phone, calling you, mm-hmm. could, hear, could hear it in your voice. Mm-hmm. You know, the, whew, Tina, I mean, I am in awe of your strength. But more importantly, I am so proud that you came through successfully on the other side. Thank you. I really am. And what an inspiration to all the women that are listening and even the men, you know, you proved the naysayers wrong countless times and you made a name, a huge, loud name for yourself. And when it was time to give back to you, You did. And here you are still standing, still with sunshine and moved on to something even bigger and brighter. So talk to us about what you're currently doing Uh, with Empire. I am at Empire. Um, I'm head of A&R and obviously it's the same, you know, A&R is Um, (laughs) A&R. But, you know, the, the, the thing is, it feels like Empire feels definitely like Def Jam when it, I first started. You know, nice. it has to, it's building a structure, it's building employees, it's, it's um, doing what the majors are doing on a, on a boutique level, but still being nimble enough to be able to be independent, but doing what the majors are doing. So it's a hybrid between a distribution company and a major label. Mm-hmm. For, forever, artists felt, and they still do, feel like they have to go do a major deal just to be able to be successful. Right. They never had the option before. So they're not as aware. So when they finally figure out, oh, wait a minute, Empire actually will give me everything that I need from a major. But I actually own it. I actually really, truly own 50 percent of it. I'm not doing a royalty based deal and paying and paying them back 
10 cents on a dollar. I'm paying them back dollar 50 cents on a dollar. So it's a real generational wealth type of business that we've been running and that Gazi created. Um, so it's great because I don't feel like I'm in a situation where I'm taking these artists, taking, taking advantage of them. You know, it, it, it's the company is named correctly because it is about building empires for everybody else, you know? So being in that position to be able to do that and it being small enough to be like Def Jam was at that time, like I said before, you do five different things. You can do a little bit of marketing, you could do a little right. digital market, whatever you are good at to help that artist win, you can do it, you know, and you can learn. And mm -hmm. if you're in marketing and you find a great talent, you can bring, you can sign it. You know, it's a great, a great, wow. a great company to work for. Everybody is, um, it's crazy to say this, but we don't have the hierarchy and the issues of different people trying to step on each other's throats to try to step above them. We don't wow. have that happening. We have a lot of people who are hungry that feel like a family that's trying to get it. They will call you out on the carpet if it doesn't make sense. But at mm -hmm. the same time, they will help you to get to where you have to go. You know, some of these kids, are some of these people, because um, they're not kids, they're grown people. Grown people. <laughs> some of them um, have never had a job in the music industry. They just are great at marketing or they're great at what they do. So they don't have the jaded energy and the jaded thoughts and the patterns that they people, some people, not everybody, some people get and working in a major, you know, it's right. it starts to be a little cookie cutter after a while. There is no cookie cutter formula here. Everything wow. is different because no one is jaded, you know? I love it. It must be so refreshing for you. It's so refreshing. I, I honestly, I, I was telling somebody the other day, I was like, for me to go somewhere, it would have to be something very special for me to leave mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. just the energy and the way that the people are, the way that Ghazi is, the way that Nima is, the way that just all of our peers are, are we're, we're a real family and I really enjoy it. And I'm home. I can see my mother on the weekends. See, that's and my father. the best Best of both worlds, you know, and I love if you guys have not checked out one of Empire's artists, Tina, one of Tina's amazing signings by the name of Isla, I-Y-L-A. Who else are you excited about it uh, that you signed at Empire that's coming out on Empire? Oh, man, there's so many that are there um, from uh, Timmy to um, Anaya to, and it's, it's crazy. Cause I, we have 12, 15 A&R people across the world. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them, sometimes they're just my staff bringing them in, you know, um, we right. deal with world of dance, um, the television show for the music mm -hmm. and for the, some of the, uh, the talent they have there. Um, we're just, you know, honestly, just, trying it all, doing it all. We have merch, we have a little bit of everything, but Anaya is someone very special. Um, did something with Carnage a little while back and it was it was great. He did wonderful as well. I mean, it's it's hard to say because we sign a lot of acts. Yes, okay. We sign a lot of acts, unlike majors. Um, some right. of them are 80-20s, which are a smaller, just a distribution situation. And then some of them are larger deals. But mm -hmm. we are great at what we do. We break acts. It's what we do, what we've always done. Um, and even prior to having label services, they 
did the same thing for the Migos, for Kendrick Lamar, for Cardi right. for, you know, Kane Brown and country music. Um, oh, I love Kane. Yes, they started <laughs> an empire. You know, a lot of people don't realize that. Terrace Martin started an empire with Kendrick. You know, Drum started an empire. Wow. And be rock. Like, there's a lot of people that started empire, but end up going to majors thinking it's better. But then mm. either they go to a major and they work, but then realize later, like the Migos, we're not getting no money. Or they go to um, a major and they get really cold. And they right. fall off. And you're like, what happened? Where's, what happened? Exactly. Hot, you know? Right, right. It's, it's, it's something that until artists realize that they don't have to go to a major and they could save that money and be able to, for their families to live forever off of, until they realize that, they're going to keep doing these deals at major labels. Yeah. I mean, I love what you said when you first started talking about empire and what empire is all about. Generational wealth. That we as a people, we as Black people, we need to do what we need to do to create the generational wealth. And, you know, the music industry keeps evolving and keeps changing. And what you guys are doing and what you're presenting to artists as options. You know what I mean? Shows like there's a million ways to skin a cat. A million. Crazy part is, is that a lot of them do it themselves and they get to the point where they have fame and then the majors are calling and they don't realize, they forget, oh, I did this. I don't really need them. So they go for a check saying, oh, well, I need the major. Let me get right check. But that check, that's going to be the only time you get that check. Yes, indeed. <laughs> They're banking on you not knowing your worth. You write that down, people? <laughs> They're banking on it. Because that applies not just to artists. Think about your professional journey. Who's banking on you to not know your worth? Mm-hmm. When you're sitting there negotiating your salary or your position, huh? Mm-hmm. they're banking on you to not know your Well, I am so happy for you. And what a, oh my gosh, what a great way to end this episode on such a high note. And with that beautiful smile of yours, I wish everyone could see it. Tina does radiate sunshine. Oh. Uh, David Banner could not have summed it up better. So before we end, my dear, yes, I ask all my guests this one question, and it's called trading places. I love it. So if you could trade places with one person, living or deceased, who would that person be and why? The person will be the same person it was when I was in college. It would be Oprah. Okay. And the reason why is because Oprah has a lot of influence and Oprah helps a lot of people. She gives back a lot and she has set herself and her family up to be able to have that generational wealth. When Oprah passes, her family will have what she had and she built it with her bare hand. She did it on her own and on her own terms. And, um, I salute that woman, you know, and I, I love that she is that powerful and still humble and still giving back and still why I would pick her. Well, that's a beautiful thing. Okay. Music influences. Um, music as in music itself, music itself. Um, Mm -hmm. Several classical music. I love Bach and Beethoven because of piano and just 
how beautiful and relaxing it take it makes you. Um, and uh, I love R and B. I love hip hop. I think um, R and B. It's a, there are a lot of artists that I love. Stevie uh, yes. being one of the key artists. Um, Lionel Richie being another one that is dear to me. George Benson. I'm doing the old school because yes. the, the the foundation and the and the artist that. Uh, really laid a foundation. A lot of people don't realize that they had the original versions of records that they love today. Um, even from to Michael Prince. Ugh. Woo. Yes. You know, <laughs> Michael, um, even to this day, I would say Beyonce is one of those because I feel like she is an incredible entertainer, a beautiful person, and you never see her sweat. You don't that is the truth. Sweat. She sweats because she's like everyone else. She exactly. She's on the same way as everybody else, but she's so poised. Mm-hmm. And her mother and father put her in that in that mind. You know what I'm saying? And she's grown into be such a beautiful, intelligent. She's always been well-spoken woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love that. I love even for that matter when it comes to hip hop. You know, we got our favorites, all my loves. I, I can't even say there's one that I love more than the other. Um, but for today, I will say I commend Jay-Z. Yes. Um, yes. Because he's not screaming. I told someone the other day, I was like, he needs to say what he's doing because they need to know that he's really doing all this stuff. He's so amazing. He needs, they need to love. And that, but at the same time, he does They don't. Because when it happens, it happens. I had to check myself because I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. We don't, why? Because being out here being a loud mouth makes no sense. It does nothing. But, and, and showing, getting people to praise you, it means nothing. Doing things, making changes, um, empowering your artist that you work with to make changes, yes. which you don't see all the time in the music industry when it comes to artists and people on his level. You know, I commend him for how he's doing, taking what he's had in Marcy to what he has now. You know, um, and musically, that last album he put out was right on point, you know. So I love that. I love a lot of these younger artists. Roddy Rich, I think he's yes. crazy. I think we have an artist by the name of Mozzie, Jack Boy, and D Smoke, who are phenomenal. Um, Amazing. But I, the list can go on. Last book or current book you're reading? I like to do audiobooks and I read audiobooks or I listen to audiobooks all the time. And one that I have recently been listening to, and I'm about 45%, it says here literally 45% into, is How Africa Shaped the Christian Mind. Okay. <laughs> and who is that? Wait, we. Ha- I will be referencing this, guys, in the uh, description for sure. But who is this by? It's by Thomas C. Oden. Wow. My pastor, um, Bishop Omer at uh, Faithful Central in Los Angeles, he mm-hmm. was doing a segment about, with all this racism going on, about um, just the origin of Christianity and just some of the stories that were left out. Because a lot of people only remember it or know it from the European perspective. Right. Or St. Christopher. And, but there, it, it started years ago, centuries ago, um, in Africa. And this talks about the beginning of it and I love it. it changed and how it's grown and North Africa and not studying the same, how many different dialects, how people were separated by language and, you yes. know, and things like that and how it was changed and how you got Sigmund Freud and all of these, but then you have these other, 
um, these other um, important figures that did gospel and did Christian um, and talked about, uh, didn't talk about it. They sang about Christian life and Christianity and they didn't put it, they didn't write it down, but they mm-hmm. sang about it. So mm-hmm. it's, it just opened my eyes to just where Christianity started. I'm very spiritual. Yes. Um, I can't say I'm extremely religious. I'm, I'm very spiritual. Um, so I, I, I yearn for that information to know, you know, why am I praising my Lord? Why am I, where, where is this coming from? How did I, right. how did my grandparents get into Christianity? You know, why am I, um, why is it so important to me? What made this Christianity, what made it so important to the world? And right. this book tells you that. Whoa. Okay. I'm ordering. <laughs> Tina, thank you so much. I love, I love, I love this conversation. And I want to invite you back for the artist series where you and one of your artists can be on No Need to Ask to talk about the discovery process, what the artist is doing. We'll play some music. So I would love to have you back on the show. And thank you again for being such a wonderful guest. Oh, you know, anything for you, Monty. Oh, I love you. Thank you, you, Tina. So friends, this is the end of part two of a conversation with music industry veteran, Tina Davis. Until we meet again, be safe and be well.